because we're, we're running into this problem where we're running out of seats. And so if you can squeeze in to the center so that as people walk in, they can jump on the edge of the rows. I would greatly appreciate that. Um, so as they're looking for, for seats and our, our, our volunteers are, are receiving um, the giving this morning. Here's the other thing, too. If you have a small group registration that you have yet to turn in, you can put it in that, that bag that's going by as well um, as a means to turn that in uh, so that we get all the registrations um, if you've brought them this morning. And so, um, so we're, we're going to jump in this morning. A lot of things to get through. I really, I'm, man, I am, I'm just excited about today. And the Browns game has absolutely nothing to do with it. Um, and I'm really excited for the Browns game. Um, but over the last uh, month, um, we, have been, we have been going through this series that we're calling Better Together. Because when we do life together, when we go about our daily business in community, when we come to a place like this and join in community, when we break off into, into small groups to build community, and when we, when we meet in people's homes uh, in different communities, community is built. And, and what it proves to us, what it shows to us as we go about this in community is that, in fact, we are better together. It's a truth. It's who we are. We are better together than we could ever be on our own. And so I just wanted to refresh our minds from, from what the, the blueprint of this, what, what inspires this community. And it's from Acts chapter 2, 42 um, through 47. It says, and they devoted themselves. They, um, they are the, the, the church, the community, the local church um, in this early church um, in Acts. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. And awe came upon every soul, many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their home, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And, and so we identified that week one as that's our goal. That is our hope. That's the blueprint for community. Like it is our hope that we have such a thriving community, not because of what we're doing, but because of what Jesus Christ is doing in and through us. That people on the outside, people who have yet to begin a relationship with Jesus, look at that community and say, they love me where I'm at, they care for me, and I want to be a part of them. How do I become even more like them? And it tells us in the end, the way that we bring new people to be like us is the Lord adds to their number day by day those who are being saved. So we realize the way that our community grows is we show others the love, the generosity, the encouragement, the accountability, and what we will talk about today to bear one another's burdens. When we do that as a community, people say, I want to be a part of that. And we say, we, when they come and ask us, we say, hey, there's one thing you need to do. You need to live your life for Jesus. You need to give your life over to Jesus. And the Lord blesses us when we display these characteristics, when we build our community around these things, not solely these things, but these are some specific things. When we do that, the Lord opens the eyes and the hearts of non-believers, and they say, I want to be a part of that community. And we say, it's not necessarily our community that we're about. It's about Jesus. And we have the opportunity to invite them to be a part of that. And so uh, catching you up real fast, just with what, what it is, and you can tell I'm already excited, um, and I'm feeling it this morning, uh, because it's all about Jesus, and I'm super excited that we get to gather around the person of Jesus Christ. And so um, what we're going to look at today um, today's message we're gonna we're, today's message is called just show up just show up and we'll get some more context to that but what I would love everyone to do if you have a Bible with you this morning I encourage you to bring that on a weekly basis it's it's great to look into the physical word of God and not a digital version I just like it better if you don't have it look off your neighbor or it's going to be on the screen uh, up behind me uh, but what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to look at Galatians chapter 6 um, really just three verses. Um, and so this is Paul writing to the church in Galatia, um, encouraging them, um, talking to them about the importance of community, uh, very much like we are doing this morning. And so this is in Galatians chapter 6. Um, and this is the encouragement that Paul gives this church, but also this church, this ministry of the church known as the chapel, the local church. And so this is what Paul has to say. He says, brothers, if any is caught in any transgression, 
You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watching yourself, lest you too be tempted. Verse 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And then we're going to jump to verse 10. So then, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Will you pray with me? Father God, we thank you for these moments that we get to share together as a community, not as a community who's, who's built around a sports team or a, a specific school or even, even a, a, a specific location, but Father, a group of people who are, who are built upon your son and what he's done for us, that we can say our foundation is upon Jesus. Our community's foundation is upon you through your son. And so, Father, we thank you for that. And as we look into your word, Father, I pray that we would experience you that you, would, that you would show us what your heart is calling for us to do. And Father, that as, as we respond in obedience, it's my prayer, Father, that, that we would not just experience you, but that we would pursue you and that community would be built, not for our gain, but for your gain and for your kingdom, that others would see the hope that exists through your Son. So it's my prayer, Father, that, that your word would inspire us, that it would motivate us, that it would challenge us, that it would demand us of action, and that we would respond in obedience. That's my only prayer for, for this morning, Father. It's in your name we pray. Amen. How many of you were born in 2005? How many of you were born uh, before or in 2005? Show of hands. Dude, this is awesome. This is awesome. How many of you were like, so it's 2000, so most of you were like, what, five? Four or five then? Right? Because if it's 2018, the oldest person in the room is 18. Okay. So you were born in 2005. Um, here's what I want you to do. On your hand, show me how old you were in 2005. Two. I love it. Two. A lot of twos. Good grief. This is awesome. This is awesome for me. Because in 2005, I was right where you, hey, where are my seniors at? I was where you were at. Okay? I know. Ryan's old. Whatever. But in 2005, I was um, enjoying, well, in the, in, the, in the spring of 2005, I was finishing my senior year of high school. In the fall of 2005, I was uh, getting ready to start uh, college. And so, but in 2005, there was um, this, this military operation. It's called Operation Red Wings. And really, this is, this is my hope is that most of you don't remember this, but this was like when, when we were on a full-out, uh, America uh, was on a full-out um, war against terrorism. And so there were, there was a lot of things going on. I remember, I remember the fear that I felt like, I'm like, Hey, I'm 18. There's these, these, these problems going on in the world. Like we're going after Al Qaeda. Like we are, you know, th this was, this was fresh off of, uh, the September 11th attacks, which most of you weren't born for. Um, but like, it was a scary time. Like, it was a scary time. I remember thinking, like, hey, they're going to reinstate the draft, and I am going to have to go to war. Like, it was a, it was a time of fear. But there were um, incredible men and women who served our country. And in 2005, there was this, this mission called Operation Red Wings. And what it was is it was, it was a four-man um, Navy SEAL team um, that went into Taliban-occupied um, Afghanistan. And their, 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 their mission was to, um, to capture this notorious Taliban leader. His name was Ahmad Shah. And so they are in the mountains, and, and, um, and as um, they're, they're, they're scouting out and, and looking down um, into the valley where this, this, this leader is supposedly at, and he actually was, there were some, some goat herders who were, um, they were taking their, their goats, their, their flock, through the mountains of Afghanistan for them to feed, and they came ac across this, uh, this group of uh, seals. And at this point, they're in a, in a conflict because they don't know what they should do. They, these, these are innocent men. They are not militants. They're not in the military. But they know that if they let them go, they are going to tell the Taliban in the valley that they are in the hills, and they know that they are going to come for them. And so they do what is right, and they let them go. And lo and behold, 
they go back and they tell the Taliban forces what's happening. And so they launch a full-on attack to hunt down these four men. Um, this, 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 it turns into a firefight um, that's just unbelievable that went on for hours and hours and hours. And, and um, that day, three Navy SEALs lost their life fighting for one another. And the one man left who was is, who is just holding up as best as he could, um, his name was uh, Marcus Luttrell. And so Marcus makes his way off of the mountain into this local village. And as he gets into this village, I can only imagine what his thoughts are. Is I'm just looking for some kind of refuge. I'm looking for some place where someone might take care of me. Like, talk about the ultimate place you don't want to be looking for security. And as he stumbles into this, to this village, he interacts with this man. His name's Muhammad Gulab. And Muhammad Gulab is not part of the Taliban. Um, he is a it's, a, it's a small tribe that is, that is unique to, to Pakistan. And um, one of the things that he, he displays is, is, is the village and the tribe, they, they display this code. It's called the pa- uh, Pashtuwali Code. And be, as he comes in, Marcus Luttrell finds this man, and they're not able to communicate that well because they speak different languages. But what this Pashtunwali Code that this village displays is that no matter who comes into their village, the Pash, uh, Pashtunwali code is meaning that hospitality, asylum, mercy, and shelter must be provided for all who require it, despite their background and intentions. And so he comes in, and, and what Muhammad Gulab knows is if I take this man in, then not only am I, am, am I putting myself in danger, I'm putting my entire family in danger to give him refuge, but he's held to this code. It's something that, 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 people, uh, that, his, that people before him held up and established, and it was just that, that hospitality, asylum, mercy, and shelter must be provided for all who require of it, despite their backgrounds and intentions. I mean, this man doesn't even know what's going on. He knows that, that the entire the entire Taliban, Taliban is hunting him down, like wanting to kill him. And he ends up giving him asylum. And he sends his father, uh, he sends his father-in-law um, on a journey to, to find a place where he can connect with U.S. forces and let them know that he is holding this man. He is hiding them. And throughout this time, he loses two family members because the Taliban knows that he's somewhere in the village. And he comes and he loses family members and other family mem- members are injured and maimed. But he sends his father, and, and U.S. forces come, and they rescue him out of that. Marcus Luttrell, they rescue him out of that. This is, this is this, for, for those of you who maybe have seen the movie Lone Survivor, this is the story of Marcus Luttrell and Muhammad Gulab. And as, I, as, I'm, as I'm engaging through God's word, and I'm thinking about this morning and community and what it looks like, like this story lays heavy on my heart because of a story that we see Jesus tell. In Luke chapter 10, that a lot of us are incredibly familiar with. I would argue that all of us are familiar with this story, whether this is your first time in church or you've been here for your whole life, so much that there are, there are laws that have been established with the name of this practice that Jesus shows us in Luke chapter 10. It's the parable of the Good Samaritan. And so this is, what, this is what Jesus is doing. He's teaching, and he's talking about community, and not just intimate community, but the kind of community that we ourselves need to establish, and we need to display, and we need to live out every single day. And so this is what Jesus is saying. It says, and behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to test, to put Jesus to test, saying, teacher, what shall we do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? So he takes the question, he flips it back on me, he goes, well, you tell me what you know to be true from, the, from what you've read in the law. And the lawyer answered, he says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, he is Jesus, he's saying to the lawyer, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. Verse 29. But he, the lawyer, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? 
Who is my neighbor? We know that I'm supposed to love the Lord, uh, my, our, our God, with my heart, my mind, my strength, and everything. And I'm also supposed to my, love my neighbor. But he says, but Jesus, who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, a man was going down to Jerusalem, to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. And this story sounds a lot like this incident from 2005. Now by chance, a priest was going down the road, a holy man, and when he saw him, he passed on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. And so I think we, so often, we know this story, but we don't understand the context of this. A Samaritan, like we associate Samaritan, like good Samaritan, we associate that today in 2018 as a positive thing. But what we need to understand is in Jesus' day, in biblical times, a Samaritan was linked to the scum of the earth. Like the people, like it's like, hey, I will interact with sinners, but I will not interact with Samaritans. Like if I'm honest, this is the equivalent of modern day ISIS, like the bad dudes. When I'm your age, this is Al-Qaeda. A Samaritan is not a good person. It is not someone that I want to interact with. But what it says here, what it says is, verse 33, But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He saw the situation, and he had compassion. Goes on in verse 34 to say this. Say this. When he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think provided to be a neighbor to the man who fell among robbers? Verse 37, he said, he is the lawyer. He says, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus replied, you go and do likewise. So as we see this, like, this is the picture. This is the picture of how we should respond to others, to our neighbors. Like, this is the picture of how we need to go about our lives. This is an example of of what it looks like to serve others, to be a part of the community that brings others in, that welcomes them. Like this good Samaritan, we see him and he does what's right, regardless of the situation. Like he sees a man who's struggling, who's in trouble, and he takes it upon himself regardless. It, it, this, in this situation, it cost him financially. It cost him financially. Like it cost potentially his reputation. Because like Jewish people and Samaritans, they did not, they did not interact. As we look at the story of Marcus Luttrell and Muhammad Gulab, like there was a cost. Like his life was at risk. His family's life was at risk. And some of them lost their lives, and some of them felt the pain of that. But he chose to do what was right. He chose, in fact, to love his neighbor. And I think, you know, we, these are two very unique examples. And I think as we look at our lives, we may not find opportunities where it will cost us a lot of financial uh, resources or it won't cost us potentially our lives. But this is one example of what community really does. This is one example for us this morning of this third trait that community displays and establishes, and that is bearing one another's burdens. Like, we're all going through life with junk. Like, we're all going through life with difficulties and, and, and things that we don't expect and, and situations that come up where we are carrying this. And here's the thing. We are not meant to carry it alone. Like an incredible trait of real community is when we link arms and we bear one another's burdens. We walk beside each other through life. 
Yes, it's easy to walk through the, through the, the high times, but it's really hard to walk through the low times. And it's incredibly difficult to walk through them alone. And so here's, students, like, I'm challenging you, I'm calling you out this morning to be the kind of community that we need to be, and we need to bear one another's burdens. And it's not just in, in the way of the Good Samaritan, and it's not just in the way of Muhammad Gulab. There are ways we can bear one another's burdens every single day that relieves someone in the same way that the Good Samaritan relieved the man that was beaten and half dead in the way that Muhammad Gulab helped out and helped relieve that burden. And so here's what I'd love for us to do as we, as we continue to, 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 to go into We know that Acts 2 shows us that blueprint, but as we continue to read in Acts chapter 4, it's, we see in, in, in verse 32 it says this, Now the full number of those who believed of the one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. With great power, the apostles were given their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. And so this is another opportunity. This is another example of what it looks like to bear one another's burdens. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord, and a great grace was upon them all. Verse 34 says this, There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was, distribute, it was distributed to each as any had need. Like this is... This is the picture of community, to bear one another, to see a need that exists, to look out into the community that is, that is outside of this community, like to look outside of believers and to see non-believers and to see them in their place of need and to say, hey, I am going to make a sacrifice so that they can have something, so that the need is fulfilled. Muhammad Gulab says, I am going to put my own, my, my own security on the line so that I can fulfill this need of this man. The Good Samaritan says, I am going to take money out of my pocket so that I can provide for this need that this man has. As we look around, there are people hurting all over. And so really, you know, as we look at ourselves, you know, the oldest student in here is 18, maybe 19. You probably look at your life and you go, Ryan, I'm not in a war zone like where I constantly have opportunities to, to, to give asylum to, to people who are on the run for their life. And Ryan, I, I had a killer summer job, but, and I made a ton of money, but in the grand scheme of it all, it's really not that much. It's enough to keep my gas tank full for the, for the school year and maybe to, to, to get some, something good to eat or whatever that might be. And so we look at our lives and we go, well, you know, I don't know necessarily what it looks like to help others bear their burdens. These examples that, that, that we've been given is, is financially giving help and, 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 and life-saving giving help. But here's the thing. There are people hurt. You know. You know better than I do. You know better than I do what is going on in the lives of your friends and your classmates and your teammates and the person at lunch and that student who stands off by themselves. You know they're hurt better than I could ever know it because you're in it, you're around it, and you feel it. I mean, as we look to last year, last year alone, there were literally people crying out, no one cares about me. I feel like I should end my life. Like there is an opportunity for each and every one of us. And so these moments, they pop up all the times. And I think a lot of the times when we see someone, when we see someone struggling or when we hear someone talking through like the burden that they're bearing, we don't know what to do. We go, I can't fix this with money. I can't fix this with, with, uh, with, with, with pulling them into my home and, and, and hiding them from what's attacking them. And we don't know what we need to do. And here's what it comes down to, students. You got to just show up. You got to show up in their life. You got to show up and just, just be with them. 
And through that, you begin to understand, hey, I don't know what the burden is exactly in your life, but I know that you're carrying something because I see the look on your face. I see how you post on Instagram. I see how you respond to your friends. I see your lack of interactions and your lack of relationships. And I know that there's a problem there. And I know what happened last year. And that was completely unexpected. And I know that you're carrying a weight. I may know specifically what it is, or I might have no idea what it is, but I know that I need to just show up in your life. I'm just going to be there with and for you. I had the opportunity um, this last year. uh, One of our students got really sick. One of our students got really sick. And I got called to the hospital. And on my way there, I'm I'm thinking, and I'm like, man, I have no idea what to say. Like, I'm trying to drive and, like, flip through my Bible at the same time, which is a really bad, like, it's good to be in God's word, but not when you're driving 70 miles down the highway. And I, I, get, I get to the hospital, and I go, and I go, hey, is this, is this student there? They said, yeah, they were just admitted, and so um, we can't let you in at any time. And they said, are you family? And I said, no, I'm, I'm a pastor. They said, I'm sorry, it's family only. So I just sat in the waiting room. The nurse walks up to me. She goes, what, what was your name again? And she, she scribbled it down on a visit pass. She goes, hurry up, get in there. And so I walk back, and the student is, is there, and their parent is there. And I'm thinking, man, I have no idea. Like, I don't have, like, in these moments, there's no, like, perfect formula of what to say to make everything all good. And I walked in, and I hadn't met their parent. I knew the student, but I hadn't met their parent. So I just said, hey, my name's Ryan. I just want to come and pray with you and just be with you. And, like, the whole time I'm saying, God, you got to show up because I got nothing. Like, I have no idea. Like, I'm not prepared for this situation at all. And so I prayed, and in those moments, I don't know what to pray for. Like, even those, like, my prayer is, God, give me the words that I need because I don't know what to say. Because our natural response is, I want to make this better right now, and it doesn't always work out that way. And so I'm looking at this situation, and I have the opportunity to come alongside a family who has an incredible burden that they're bearing. And so I pray for the next two hours. We sat in silence. And it got to the point where I, nurses came in and said, hey, it's looking, it's looking better. So I said, hey, I want to give you the opportunity to get some sleep. And so I prayed with them again. And I left. And I walked out of there and I go, man, I didn't do anything. I'm like, my God, like, couldn't you have given me something, like, better? Like, not, not that I'm ungrateful. Like, thank you for, like, giving me the words to pray, but I had nothing. And I'm walking out of there, and I feel like, man, I, I wish I could have done something. Like, I, I sat beside them. I prayed in my heart. I prayed over them. And a couple days later, the other parent, I hear I'm talking to some, some of my uh, some of the people here at the church just kind of recapping everything, checking in. And um, one of the other pastors walks up to me and goes, Ryan, you will never believe. Like, you will never believe how grateful they were that you showed up. And I go, I didn't do anything. And the reality is when people are carrying burdens, like the loss of a loved one, like the, the, the reality of a diagnosis in their life or in their family's life. Like let's be honest, in high school, like there are incredible burdens that you carry. Like the burden of trying to earn your way into a specific school like the burden of mom and dad giving you expectations and, 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 and making you uphold them, whether they're, whether they're appropriate or not. Like there are burdens that you feel on a constant basis. Like the burden of, of for some of you, the burden of taking care of your families. Like for some of you, the burden that you have to take care of your younger siblings. For some of you, the burden that you have because you have to take care of mom or dad or both of them. Like, we are walking through life with incredible burdens. Burdens of loss, 
the burden of a lack of hope. And we find ourselves saying, I'm not going to do anything because I don't know what to do. But the reality is in those moments, you just got to show up. I've got a good friend um, who uh, works at a local church. And I met him for lunch one day. So I said, hey, John, how are you doing, man? He goes, not doing so great, Ryan. I go, what's up? We were planning like a summer camp that we were getting ready to lead together. Um, he had asked me to speak there. And so we were planning through that. And I'm like, what's going on? He goes, he goes, my son is really sick, Ryan. He goes, he tried to take his life last night. I go, John, why are you meeting with me, man? Like, like that is not important. He goes, well, he's, he's safe right now. He's at the hospital. And once he gets there, there's very strict guidelines and visitors you can see and that he can't. And so um, I go, what can I do for you? He goes, it's funny. He goes, I've gotten all these texts this morning from people. Hey, what can I do for you? How can I help? What, what's going on? What do you need? He goes, Ryan, I am so emotionally drained. I can't even tell you what I need. I just need you to show up. I just need somebody to come. He goes, I'm not in a place where I can tell, like I can respond and say, hey, I need food or I need sleep or I need you to come to the hospital. He goes, I am so focused on one specific thing and my mind is so screwed up that I cannot tell you what I need right now. I can't. I physically cannot tell you what I need other than to just show up. And that's really what it's about. In our lives, like that is a, that is a trait of true community, a group of people that says, man, they are in danger, they are in trouble, they are hurting, they are depressed, I'm going to go be with them. I'm going to sit there. I'm going to spend time with them, even if it's in silence. Because what it tells those people, those who are carrying those burdens is, I am here for you. I don't know how to answer this, but the reality is, they're sitting there and they're probably going, I don't know how to answer this either. But there's nothing that's more comforting in a moment of need than when you go, I don't have the answer. They don't have the answer. But they're here. They're helping me manage through this. They love me enough to just show up. So as we look into Galatians, that's what it is. I mean, that's Galatians 6. That's, 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 it's showing us the community. Brothers, if, if anyone, chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, brothers, if anyone is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourselves, lest you too be tempted. Guys, that's last week. That's accountability. Like, call one another out. Like, Paul is encouraging accountability. But that was last week, and this week is bearing one another's burdens. And that's verse 2. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. This is, like, guys, this is not, like, Two weeks ago, encouragement. Last week, accountability. This week, bearing one, another, bearing one another's burdens. These are not suggestions. And let me say that again. These are not suggestions for us as a community of believers. It's not, hey, if you have time, bear one another's burdens. Hey, when you come around to it, when you think of it, hold others accountable. When it's easy, hold one another accountable. Hey, encourage, you know, if you think of it. When you, when you might have an opportunity. No, 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 no. This is a demand. Like, the Bible is not saying, if you can, it says, no, no, no. You must hold one another accountable. You must encourage one another. You must bear one another's burdens. We must do this. It's not a suggestion. It is a command that we must follow through on because when we do that we are displaying the attributes of Christ and we are becoming a community that is surrounded and standing upon the foundation of the person of Jesus Christ and then Galatians 10 6 10 so then as we have opportunity there's opportunity all around us like don't read this as like Hey, this will only happen like twice this year. No, there's an opportunity right now. And when you address that opportunity, there's a new opportunity. Like opportunities are readily available and there is, there is an unlimited supply. There is, hey, right here in this room, there's probably, I would guess, 150 to 170 opportunities 
this morning. And so address 170 of those. And as soon as you walk out of here, you interact with thousands of other opportunities. You walk through your schools. You, you walk on your, out on your field. You walk into your locker room. And there is opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. So then, as we have opportunity, it's all around us. Let us do good to everyone. Part of the problem with specific communities is we draw up and we create walls that makes us an exclusive community and no one can come and be a part of it. Like we do it all over the place. Like for all of you who are planning on going to college, you are hoping to break into an exclusive community. Whether it's at the Ohio State University, whether it's at Harvard, whether it's at Kent, Wherever it is, you're looking to break into an exclusive community. That's why you have to apply to it. But this type of community cannot be exclusive. It can't be, hey, this is just the people that we have, and this is the people that we are always going to have, and we're not going to have anyone new. Like, we cannot build up walls that keep people from coming into this place. Sometimes those walls we build up is we say, hey, this isn't a place, like we get this self-righteous attitude. This isn't a place for someone with their background. Like I've heard about what he did, heard about what she did. Like I know their past and this is not a place for them. No, 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 this is a place for them. This is the place that they belong because we belong here because we are all sinners. Like each and every one of us. Like as God looks at sin, he doesn't see greater sin and worse sin. He sees sin and he absolutely hates it. Like he absolutely hates it. But he created a community through his son that we can be a part of that is not exclusive, that all can experience. And so we need, we need to do this. We need to bear one another's burdens, all of us together for everyone. But then I love this little piece right here because there is something. There is no exclusivity to this community, but there is something special about this community because we know that we are linked through the blood of Jesus Christ. And that creates a connection that nothing else can compare to. And so Paul says this, and especially, so let me read, let me read the, 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 what he's encouraging us to do, what he's telling us to do. So then as we have opportunity, let us to do good to everyone, but also let us do good, especially to those who are of the household of faith, who claim Jesus as their personal savior, as the forgiver of their sins and the leader of their lives, like especially. And so what he's saying is, hey, do it for everyone. But when you see a brother or sister in need, like pull them in because they have, we have a bond with them that is, that can't be created anywhere else, that extends beyond every other bond that we could possibly have. So we need to do just that. As we bear one another's burdens and we fulfill the law of Christ, so then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Uh, a couple weeks ago, one of our students walks up to me and says, Ryan, I just, I feel like I'm ready to share a story. So she briefly tells me this story, and I'm like, oh my goodness, it's awesome how God works. And I go, that will go so great with what we're doing. Like, that will be so perfect for what God's word is encouraging us to do. That, that, is, the, that is the picture of God's people doing what God has commanded us to do. And guys, here's, here's one of the reasons why we have made such a large push to be here on Sunday morning, but to also be a part of a small group. Because it's, it's really hard for me to know 170 people's intimate burdens that they're bearing. I mean, that's just, it's just who we are. We keep those things close. We understand that, that, that trust has been broken over time, and so we don't share those intimate burdens that we're carrying with everyone most of the time because we haven't established the trust. They may use that to hurt us further. But when we can break up into a group of eight or 12 or 15, or if you're in the orphans group, 20 people with 
two adults who care so deeply about students because of their love for Jesus that they say, I'm going to give up my time. I'm going to give up my gifts. I'm going to give up the things that are important to me so that I can walk through life with these people. It's incredibly important. We have the opportunity through small groups to really know what one another's inner burden is and to be able to carry that with one another. And so um, I'd love to invite Claire up here to share this story um, with you guys this morning. So give it up for Claire. Hello, everybody. There is a lot of you in here. That's great. (laughs) But if you don't know me, I'm Claire. I'm a sophomore. And when Ryan was up here, I think it was the first week of this series, he talked about building community and specifically with that, with losing a loved one. And he said that that tied in well with this week because it's bearing one another's burdens. And I just thought of a certain story that really, when I think about it, touches my heart that has to do with my small group and just dealing with loss. And so I wanted to share that with you guys. So earlier this morning, Ryan was saying how we all have junk and just hard stuff in our life. And I truly believe that this past year has been one of the hardest or the hardest year for me and my family. It just felt like there was a lot of stuff, just one after the other, piling up. that is just hard to deal with. And a lot of that did have to do with loss. And a specific loss is uh, that my grandma passed away at the end of last school year. And small groups were going on. And the whole situation with that happened fast. And so everything was really crazy. And we planned the calling hours and the funeral pretty fast. And so we were there at the calling hours for my grandma as a family. And I'm sure most of you know what that is. But basically, people just come and visit you because they care about you. They either know you or your family or the person who passed away. And they just come and give you their sympathy. And the calling hours are about to wrap up, and in walks my two amazing small group leaders and multiple girls from my small group, and I didn't know they were coming. I failed to tell them the times or where it was or anything, but that's what made it so amazing to me when I saw them walk in, because I didn't have to tell them. They just came because they care about me, and... Usually with calling hours, people come and leave, but my small group stayed with me. Our service, we did the calling hours and the service, right, one after the other. And so my small group chose to stay with me during the whole funeral service. And I got to sit in the middle of just this amazing group of girls and leaders. And through this whole process, I did feel like my family and me, we were surrounded by prayers, but I physically was surrounded by people that I knew cared about me and loved me. And like Ryan said, they didn't have to do anything. They just showed up because when people are sad, it's awkward to be around in like a situation where people are grieving or sad, but they just gave me hugs and sat by me and just let me cry or not say anything, but they just came. And that I feel like is a true example of a godly group of people who really care about their friends and about their students if they're the leaders. Um, I spent all year getting to know those girls and getting close with them. And just the fact that they came and showed up for me means so much to me. I was overwhelmed by emotion just with love for them. And just I felt so thankful that I had gotten to be a part of that small group. I really feel blessed by the group I was put in. And If you're thinking about your own life and you don't have a group of people that you feel like would come show up for you, then this is your opportunity. Like Ryan said, this is an opportunity for you to get plugged in. And honestly, every year we do more small groups, it's an opportunity to tear down the wall and invite more people in to our groups because they're there to get to know each other and be there for one another. And not only are the people in your small group going to support you, but I know I would do the same thing for any one of them. And it's a great opportunity to show God's love to others yourself. And so I really feel like that specific story in small groups has just had the greatest impact on my freshman year. And I know it will the rest of the years through high school. And 
I just really encourage all of you, today is the last day to sign up. So if you've been feeling kind of like you should, do it. And if you don't, just take a chance and join a small group because it will surprise you in amazing ways. Um, there, there's just really nothing better than being with a really solid group of girls or guys, of people your own age that have one thing in common, that you love Jesus and just want to push each other to grow, but like to be there for one another and to have those older mentors too that are your leaders to get advice from. It's just really amazing what can come through it. And so I'm going to hand it back over to Ryan, but I just encourage all of you to join small groups and keep what I said in mind that they're there for you. And we're not meant to go through anything alone. And I definitely feel like small groups did not leave me alone this year through all the things we went through. So, thanks for listening. So, it's a snapshot. I believe that there's a lot of you in this room that I could, I could pull you up here. And if you could, if you could overcome the, the typical fear that a lot of people have of public speaking, you could share a story like that. And here's the thing. None of us like, like, I'm calling you, like, God is calling us to be a part of community, to display encouragement, to display accountability, to display bearing one another's burdens, and we're called to do that. But here's the thing, none of us know when something is going to shift or change, or we're going to get a phone call, or a diagnosis, where all of a sudden, now no longer we are, no, we are no longer looking to bear one another's burdens, but we are looking for a group that will bear our burden. Like, we don't know when that's coming. Like, when we go, oh my goodness, like, what? And you step into a group and you go, I was expecting to bear their burden, and now I've got this thing, but you know what? If we're the kind of community that, that God's word is calling us to be, I need to share this because I can't carry this one alone. Like, that's the beauty of community, of godly community. Like, we, we enter into it knowing that there are expectations for us, but then a certain moment in life happens and we go, oh my goodness, I need the group more than I've ever known that I need them before. I need God's people through the local church to show me who Jesus is because that's where I will find true hope. And that's what it comes back to. I mean, that's why it's so important to not build up walls, to be the kind of community where each week we need to add chairs and we need to look for bigger spaces because we are the kind of people that go out and we say, I don't care about your junk. I love you because I know Jesus loves you and I can love you because I know he loves me even though I'm a wretched sinner. And we create through the power of the Holy Spirit because of what Jesus has done for us. We create a kind of community that people go, I want to be about that. And we go, it's not about the community, it's about Jesus. I mean, here's the great thing. Like, we can pull, like, these attributes, these characteristics of, of encouragement, of bearing one another's burdens, of accountability. Like, you want to find a better example of that outside of this community? It's found in the person of Jesus Christ. Like, he displayed these things for us. He showed us what we need to do. And now we need to go out and we need to do it for everyone. But when we come together here, we need to lean in and we need to hug one another. And we need to say, I'm here for you and I trust that you're here for me. And then we have the opportunity to break into small groups where we do life together. We can say, hey, here's the collective junk. Here's where we're at. The group, we say, let's carry this together. We can bear one another's burdens because as we look at the life of Jesus, he has bore our burdens. Our greatest burden was our sin. It was something that we could not do anything with. But he looked at it. He says, I love you so very much that I'm going to come to the earth. And, and one of the things that's recently been really heavy on my heart is we, we often miscommunicate what Jesus did. 
I know I've said it in the past. We say he was brutally murdered. No, 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 no. He willingly gave up his life. Like it was his choice. No one made him do that at all. It was his choice to take the weight of sin, the weight of all of eternity, to wear it on his shoulders and say, I love you enough to bear this burden for you. And so let's respond. Let's encourage one another. Let's keep one another accountable. And let's bear one, another, one another's burdens. And I believe that as we follow the blueprint that Christ laid out for us, that the Holy Spirit interpreted to us through God's word, I believe we can build the kind of community where more people come and experience Jesus and they want to be a part of it. And we find out that we are so much better together than we could ever be on our own. And so let's do that. Sunday morning, in community groups, in the small groups, and in our schools, and on our teams, and in our homes, and with our siblings, and with our parents, and with everyone that we interact with. Let's prove to them that because of Jesus, we're better together. Let's do that together. Father God, I thank you for this morning. God, I thank you for your word, that it encourages us, that it calls us out, that it tells us what to do. God, it's my prayer that as your spirit is speaking to, to students this morning, Father, that they would, there would be a call to action. Father, if small groups are not for them, Father, I don't want them to be a part of it if you're not calling them to do it. Maybe you're calling them to this, to be a part of this. Sunday mornings or community groups or whatever it might be. Maybe you're calling them to invest their time in their teammates or their classmates or their family to, to not be a part of a small group, but to start a small group within the confines of their school or their team or even their family. Father, we're thank you for community. We're thank you that you have given us others that can walk beside us, that can help us with our junk, and that we can help with their junk. God, thank you for giving us this beautiful, beautiful gift of community to show us that we're better together and that we're supposed to do life together. Father, as we cry out to you and we sing who you are, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your love for the way that you pour it out on us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Will you guys stand with us?